Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. Here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome, everybody, to the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Dewald, associate editor at Blazer's Edge. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wilcox. Brian, how are you doing on this frantic, free agency-filled week? It's been fun, man. This is coming off the heels of the draft, too. we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. I mean, I let's, I don't even really know where to start because there has been so much that has happened, but also at the same time, not a lot's changed. Let's, let's be mm-hmm. honest here as far as the, where the arc is on this team, but that's going to be a conversation for later on in the show. Yep. Let's hit on the draft real quick. Get that out of the way. The Blazers buy back into the second round. Uh, they get the 43rd pick from the Pelicans. They give up a future second and some cash, I believe. So standard rate for, for a second round pick. Um, basically same deal they did to get Jake Lehman in 2016. Um, they take Greg Brown the third, uh, Texas forward, super athletic, known for his highlight reel dunks. Uh, very raw prospect, but you know, seven foot wingspan has you know oozes athleticism. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the pick? You like it? You like the fit? Where? How? How do you put it on the spectrum of what you expected to happen for the Blazers on draft night? Sure, I was really hoping for a Kessler Edwards pickup with him still being on the board. I think he's a little more of a ready-made prospect. And, you know, Greg Brown is a, a definition of a project. To me, you kind of look through some of his, you know, highlights, film, and uh, stats, and the guy just doesn't really seem like a basketball player. He's an athlete, without a doubt. And I think the Blazers' hope is they can – he's a raw piece of clay, and they can mold him into a productive NBA player. But his assist-to-turnover ratio is the first thing that jumps out at me. You know, I think it was like – 10 to six, 10 assists against 60 turnovers or something. And that just screams like a guy who's just so raw that it's going to take quite a while. 
Um, but you know, the second rounds for taking big swings, the guy's certainly an NBA level athlete and Olshay has had a lot of success on a second round picks. So I think maybe he deserves a little benefit of the doubt just in that little area, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a, all right, we'll see what he can do type situation and doesn't really, a second round pick isn't really changing the expected to change the tra- the trajectory of this team either way. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's something we've touched on a couple of times, especially in the last show was no matter what the Blazers were going to do before free agency well, was always going to kind of disappoint. I mean, getting into the second round, like this team mm-hmm. needs to make big changes to reach the expectation that we assume Damian Lillard has laid down for this team. Second round pick in and of itself, especially Greg Brown, not that bad. This is the type of player I typically want the Blazers to take swings on mm-hmm. as far as the upside is there. He's got a lot of stuff that you can't teach, and, and you can fill in the gaps. I mean, that's, you know, ball control, making good decisions. You know, that stuff can be taught. You can't teach jump out of the gym, you know, leaping ability. You can't teach wingspan. So he has all that. But let's be real here. This is a conversation that we were having – you know, the next day after the draft that, you know, triggered me to write a, a pretty long piece on Blazers Edge as far as he was a former top 10 recruit, underwhelms in his first year of Texas, basically benched by the end of the season. He he didn't start his last three games when Texas really needed him. In their elimination game against Albaline Christian, I think he played six minutes. So he was firmly out of the rotation. So, you know, good dunker, played out of the rotation when it counts. I mean – Neil O'Shea kind of has a type two seasons in a row with Derek Jones Jr. and Greg Brown III now is kind of what we're seeing. But in reality, you know, you look at the history of guys who used to be top 10 picks or top 10 recruits and then got selected in the second round. Typically, those guys don't have very long NBA careers, but the major success story in that group is Gary Trent Jr., a player that was selected by Neil O'Shea. I think what we are going to find, and I think this is probably the most interesting part of the Greg Brown trajectory, is we're going to find out how much it was Neil O'Shea's eye for talent compared to the coaching staff that Terry Stoss had assembled for player development. And I think Mm -hmm. Greg Brown is going to be the first real test case for the post-Stoss development with the Blazers and see what they can do with him. Uh, to, to finish out the draft, they took uh, they signed Trenton Watford after the draft, LSU, big man, uh, two-way contract. Look, he is also just a, a wad of clay that you hope you can mold into an NBA player. But I will say I do appreciate the Blazers using a two-way contract early, using it on an upside player, uh, projects to have versatility on offense, uh, is not a defensive player at this point in his career. Um, but – but you're seeing them use that, and that was one of my big gripes about this team was not using the two-way contract. So credit yeah. where credit is due. They used the two-way slot early. Uh, hopefully it pans out. I mean, at least we have something to watch, potentially bouncing – a guy bouncing between the Blazers and the G League, potentially. Um, as far as Kessler Edwards goes, I think he is an interesting segue into free agency because Kessler Edwards selected right after uh, Greg Brown a guy I made no secret about that I liked for the Blazers out of Pepperdine. At this point, Kessler Edwards, Tony Snell, kind of the same guy in my eyes. Kessler Edwards might be more efficient and probably has more upside at this point. Um, So that does kind of, I'm like, uh, what are we doing here? (laughs) So could we uh, somewhere else? 
Um, but as far as free agency goes, let's just run down the list real quick. Uh, the first signing that we hear about is Cody Zeller, uh, center, the Hornets. We'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, then, obviously, the big news is that they reach a five-year deal with Norm Powell, which we're definitely going to dive into in a little more detail. Uh, they finish out the night, night the first day with Ben McLemore, uh, bounced around the league, played with the Rockets and the Lakers last year. And then today, as of day of the recording, uh, Tuesday, they signed Tony Snell. So of those signings, leave Norm out of it for right now. Of the three new guys they brought in, what do you think, and is there a theme with all these guys that is emerging or a trend that you tend to see? Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here in the Church of Roy called Spotify Green Room. Green Room is a live audio-only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it up, peeps. Um, well, for Zeller and Macklemore, it's a couple top 10 2013 draft picks. Drafted before both CJ and Giannis, which is kind of nuts. Um, I don't know. They're both, well, Macklemore and Snell in particular, guys have bounced around. Kind of The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Journeyman, uh, been on several different squads. Zeller spent the whole time with the Hornets. Um, to me, he's the most interesting pickup. I think that when that news first came out, Kind of in the podcast group chat, there was a little bit of panic thinking, hey, is this the marquee guy that we're, we use our taxpayer mid-level on? And maybe a little crisis mode from one of your hosts on this pod that's maybe not talking right now. But, <laughs> but I'll, I'll end up to it. You know, all three of these guys on the veteran minimum are, are fine. Um, to dive into Cody Zeller a little bit, um, you know, the guy knows how to play basketball. I think he'll be an upgrade over Canner. He brings a little different some different things at the table you keep hearing about how good of a screener he is and you go on nba.com and they just have their hustle stats and screen assists and he wasn't even on the board the last two years but the last time he played with Kimber kimba walker he was actually a hair um above nurk as far as screen assists per game which i think you know if, if he's having to run with the starters for 
extended amounts of time and, and being a pick and roll partner with Dame. I think that Zeller's background with Kemba makes him a really interesting option on offense. That's a, I think that's a good important stat that I looked over. I, I didn't really look at screen assists, and that is something where we've seen the guys who can do it really kind of unlock a lot for Damian Lillard, obviously. I mean, Ed mm-hmm. Davis, really solid guy at this as well before Yusuf Nurkic. Um, I will say of the whole theme, we, we've moved on from Neil O'Shea naturally progressing to signing everybody from the first round of 2010 possible to now signing everyone from the 2013 class possible. I mean, Tony Snell, first round pick in 2013, Zeller and, and Macklemore also, as we already mentioned. I didn't, I didn't know Snell was on that list. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> nice. so I am looking forward potentially, I'm not looking forward to Neil O'Shea's tenure going any longer than it has to, but it does 2016 could be some interesting players that the Blazers revisit. So, you know, we got a couple of years before we get there. Um, as far as Zeller goes, I think he's fine. I think it's worth noting that you have two true big men on this team right now, depending on how you look at Robert Covington. Uh, both of them have been injury prone, both Zeller and Nurkic. So that yeah. is a little concerning. Maybe I would like to see maybe one of the next signings or one of the final signings for this team to fill out their roster is a big man. Uh, that is to be seen and potentially someone who's pretty durable. Uh, Zeller's fine. Like I said, there are some things. Yes, he's good at finishing around the basket. Finishing around the basket is different than finishing at the rim. I mean, he's not a dunker. He's not any of that. I mean, he's very pedestrian numbers mm-hmm. when it comes to finishing at the rim. Uh, also, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what he does as a creator, as a role man, as a secondary playmaker. It is worth noting that Charlotte's turnover rate was significantly higher when he was on the floor. So, you know, there is a give and take, but I think he does have a pretty well-rounded offensive skill set. So as long as he can be better than Cantor defensively, you're looking at a player who is equally potentially equally as efficient on offense and can get you a bucket, maybe a little less efficient, but yeah. you can make up for that margin on the defensive end if he plays a little better. And he looks like he's a little more of a ball mover compared to what Ennis Cantor was, which I think is falls in line with what this team has said. As far as Macklemore and Tony Snell go, I mean, they're, they're wing guys who, who have bounced around the league, fallen out of rotations wherever they've gone. Um, they're all right three-point shooters. They're, they're three and D guy players in theory. They haven't really shown that they've lived up to that billing. But they are a, a type of player that could lend to some versatility and flexibility. And really, at this point, when you sign two guys like that, you put yourself in a position where really only one of them needs to, to play well, to play above where their contract is, to play above where their role is that they brought in. The other guy's just kind of an emergency option. So even if just one of those two guys plays above expectation, you're kind of in a, a good situation as far as that goes. Now, I will say this is the definition of, of really trying to polish a turd right now because I don't think this team has gotten marketably better. I, I think it's different. Is that your assessment as of right now, what this roster looks like and what it looked like, you know, as they entered the Nuggets series? Yeah, I don't think there's been any huge swing either way. Um, but to me, you know, just kind of looking at the Blazers summer outlook, this team wasn't going to get transformed into a contender through the draft or through free agency. Um, I think they did what they had to do in free agency by getting Norm back, which we'll get into. 
Um, on these other guys, you know, they're they're fine. Um, I think they're still they still have that mid level taxpayer mid level hanging out there. So there's another um, guy to be added here. They're probably like going to be minus. You know, they haven't done anything stupid. Uh, they got Norm back, which was the 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 big goal of free agency. So they're doing okay, but it's going to be trades that really transforms this roster, not anything they do in the draft or free agency. Yeah, I, I think the trade thing is what looms over all this. I think this is a situation we've been in for a while. Is is this finally the time that they pull the trigger on, on a CJ McCollum trade? But we're going to get into that a little later. Let's just really dig into Norm real quick because yeah. Norm was the number one task, I think, for this offseason because I, I think number one task and the overall goal of making this a better roster because number one, you have to retain Norm because if you lost Norman Powell – you're taking a step back on making this team better. So now you're, you're on level footing moving forward. But I think we both agree as of right now with where this team stands as of Tuesday with the signings and the moves they've made, they're on equal footing at best of where they were last year. Mm -hmm. So now it's up to them. They're in a position to take a step forward. It's just whether or not they figure out that trade. As far as Norm Powell goes, I was surprised that he got a five-year deal. I did not expect a five-year deal. I was kind of hearing – around a few people that I talked to that sometimes know what they're talking about, that it was in a three-year range. I was excited to see it under a five-year on a five-year deal really kind of lowers that, that year in year out salary. Mm -hmm. So I think solid pickup. It's really interesting. If you are able to get rid of one of those really expensive backcourt pieces, mainly CJ McCollum, all of a sudden you're looking at a more balanced cap sheet potentially. Um, Huge pickup. I, I think there was some initial worry for me as everything was playing out on day one of free agency of I'm kind of surprised this isn't a 301 signing. Like I figured this would be one of the first things that broke. It did not. But as the night went on and you saw, I think my exhale was twofold. One, seeing how the Spurs were spending their money. And then also <laughs> – Evan Fournier going to the Knicks on a big deal. Though that at that point, I kind of felt all right. Now it's just a negotiation tactic, without a doubt, of yeah. where we can go here. What's your overall take on Norm? I think obviously, huge, huge move for the Blazers to keep that in place. Now they are in position to move forward if they decide to. Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here in the Church of Roy called Spotify Green Room. Green Room is a live audio-only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it up, peeps. Kudos to the front office on this one. I mean, without having... You know, without him being restricted, he could have went anywhere and they were able to talk him back in to come back into the fold, even with everything going on with the franchise. And I think, you know, we've been a little critical of, of uh, team operations as of late, but they really do get credit for this and, and hats off to them getting him back. Um, and, you know, that $18 million contract. In four years, who knows where that cap's going to be sitting? That might look pretty good, assuming this is just a standard contract that doesn't have any weird backloaded things, and we haven't got any indication that that it is something like that. So, you know, I think it's something you could easily move off of later if you're in a different uh, state as a team. Um, 
you know, they don't get Norm back. It's almost like shit. <laughs> Might have had to pack it in. And I think those Dame whispers just get even louder if he goes off and takes that Fournier money and signs with the Knicks. And so this is huge for the team. I think it's, I think, you know, it's probably more of a breath of, breath of fresh air for everybody at the moment, but it's something we need to kind of celebrate just for a moment here that yeah. we're able to get this guy back in town. And you really looked at the money that Trent got. It was nor money for less years. Um, and you talk that trade now that, you know, that these new contracts are, are done. I think that Portland probably did win that trade. Um, mm-hmm. To me, there is that huge age gap, but for this team right now, I would rather have Norm and his ability to fend up the position more effectively when you have such a large hold small forward. And I think I would rather have him even if they do make a move for a more established three. Yeah, I I, I think jury's still a little out on who won the trade, but I, I think for the most part, yeah, I think it's easy to say the Blazers are a winner. Now, granted, you know, Gary Trent Jr. played a major role in the bubble for them in the playoffs. They won one game. Uh, Norm Powell played a major role for them in this last playoffs. They won two games. So, I mean, there's not a lot of separation here. I know that's not an apples to apples or a proper comparison, but when you're just looking at postseason success, that's, that's what you're looking at. As far as Lillard goes, do you, does it give you any reassurance that, that Norm re up to stay here? Does that make you think that maybe, this trade request, this dysfunction from the Lillard camp and the Blazers and potential rift. Do you think that's maybe a little overblown when you see a guy like Norman Powell re up and stay in Portland? I think it makes me breathe a little easier. We're not out of the woods, (laughs) you know, there's work to be done, but this was really the first domino that had to fall um, to make me feel better about this whole thing. So it's to be celebrated, man. It's good. I, I, as far as that goes on the, on the Lillard front, because I have seen that, I've been in a couple of conversations that have talked about, you know, well, you know, Norm re-up, maybe this isn't as bad as we think it is. And I will say Norman Powell is in kind of a unique situation because Norman Powell is one of the few players that witnessed an established backcourt breakup that was very unpopular with the fan base. And then it immediately resulted in a title run. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, it's tough to read into that. I think if there's anyone that knows that there's life after a backcourt breakup, it's Norman Powell. I, I don't know if that's how we want to move, move forward and put the bow on that situation there. I think that might be reading into it a little too much, but I don't know if we can necessarily glean any information off of the Lillard situation from Norman Powell resigning. I mean, it was a, it was a good deal, probably the best offer he was going to get at that point in free agency uh, after the money had been spent. Uh, you mentioned in there that Gary Trent Jr. signed three years, $54 million with Toronto. Solid deal. Uh, gives him some flexibility. He's still going to be able to hit free agency uh, again well before his prime as an unrestricted free agent. So he's in a position to succeed there. But let's let's talk another guy the Blazers drafted that signed, signed a contract that we didn't really expect to see. Uh, Zach Collins, the Blazers do not extend a qualifying offer. He becomes an unrestricted free agent. And in the opening minutes of free agency, he reaches a three-year, $22 million deal with the San Antonio Spurs. How shocking was that for you to see that come across the ticker? Pretty damn shocking, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> like The guy has barely played, you know, the last two years. And, you know, if the Kings do something like that, you're kind of like, ah, oh, well, you know. That. But for the Spurs, which is, has been one of the – better organizations, better run organizations for a long time in the league. For them to put that kind of money on Zach just shows that you know, maybe his value is a little higher than we thought. 
And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out with Portland not even giving him their they're matching the restricted offer. If he goes down there and, and tears it up, I think that Portland's going to have a little egg on their face. But to me, it's more shock than anything. Where were you at when you saw that thing? I, you know, I'm ha- I was happy for Zach initially. Um, with my time at Blazers Edge, I wrote some, some critical stuff uh, of Zach Collins. Um, it, I think what, my Zach Collins experience was one of the first ones I had as a contributor that I realized that some players read what I write and there was a, it wasn't him directly, but someone in his family that, that uh, took, <laughs> took some definitely read what I had wrote. And, and it made me realize that there is a lot of human aspect to this. And from then I've always kind of quietly rooted for Zach Collins. Um, it didn't interrupt how I objectively looked at what his career turned into with the Blazers. I was definitely, you know, very quick to point out that this was not the level of production you needed from that draft pick, but initially happy for Zach. I think he's going to a good situation. I think there's not a lot of expectation for this Spurs team. I think he can kind of go slide in there, mm-hmm. you know, be in a team that has an established record of getting a lot out of players with skill sets like Zach Collins. So hopefully he is the next success story, the next reclamation project. Um, I do think, yes, as an organization, it might look bad. It might sting for, for players if he succeeds, but you can bet uh Neil O'Shea is going to rewrite the chapter on on that pick if he does well so he's yeah. going to say you know I always knew Zach was capable of this blah 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 all that yeah BS. I, I'm, so. I'm rooting for the guy man it, it, you just wonder about a seven footer with with foot issues uh the list of guys who've been able to come back and overcome those are, are pretty short so mm-hmm. you know all the best down in San Antonio and good luck Zach and then I guess the final noteworthy former Blazer signing somewhere, um, a smaller move. Rodney Hood ended up with the Bucks. Good for Rodney, continuing his career after you know a horrific Achilles injury. Um, but the real one too is, I mean, Carmelo Anthony's chapter with, with the Blazers has come to an end. He he reached mm-hmm. a agreement with the Lakers. You know, I, I think we're always going to kind of look back fondly of the Melo era here. I think he was uh, one of the happier storylines in a, in a pretty dark two-year timeline for the Blazers. Um, he revived his career. He was firmly out of the league before he came to Portland. Um, now he goes to Lakers. He has a chance to, to finally win a ring. Um, I will not be rooting for the Lakers, but it, no. it was, it was cool. It was a cool little two-year run for Melo. I mean, there were times that he made me, I, I'm losing hair rapidly already. And he accelerated that process a little bit at moments, but nowhere near what Hassan Whiteside did to my my uh, viewing experience. But Carmelo Anthony going to the Lakers. What do you think of some of these ter- tertiary guys? What do you think of Melo? Uh, what what's your initial thoughts? The kind of your final thoughts on the Melo era? I loved it, man. He I think you hit it on the head when he said he kind of offered a fun, almost kind of secondary storyline that might have distracted us from some of the shortcomings of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing him hit some of those points scored thresholds was cool. He was a complete pro the whole time he was here. And I'm really happy for him that he's getting out there and getting another deal. And and that's going to be a wacky Lakers team. Oh, yeah. There's, oh, there's a lot, a lot of personalities on that team. Um, we're going to go – my goal is this offseason to get guys in from a lot of these Western or, – or guys and gals from a lot of these Western Conference teams mm-hmm. and, and kind of go over and do a, a recap as we get into the season and get some voices that we don't typically hear when it comes to those teams. Um, 
we'll get to that wacky Lakers team later on this, this summer. A lot of content uh, there, bud. A lot of content. So the Blazers, like you said, have the taxpayer mid-level exceptions still. There's a move to be made. Uh, this roster is pretty guard heavy. Uh, yeah. I think we both don't think a CJ McCollum trade is right around the corner. I mean, granted, if this posts and they make the trade, I will be ecstatic. Um, how do you want to see the Blazers use this last roster spot? You don't necessarily have to say a player name unless you have somebody on the top of your head, but what type of player or what position would you like to see them address if possible with that, with that remaining money? I think we need to get another power forward and a guy who's established. I'd really like to see Nas slide in there and get big minutes. It's probably your backup four, maybe play a little three, but I think you need somebody bigger in that front court. That's not a true center that can step in and play some minutes. Um, there's really, I don't know, where do you really go after Covington? It's probably little, right? And just no, don't know if he's ready. So uh, for me, it'd, it'd be a, a power forward. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the position on my list as well. You're, like you said, bench is a little thin there. Um, preferably, I would like to see some, I don't need a, a floor spacer or we've done the Anthony Tolliver experience before. Mm-hmm. I would rather just see someone more on the, the Rondé Hollis Jefferson end of the spectrum compared to the Anthony Tolliver end of the spectrum. And hell, Rondé Hollis Jefferson might be the best option. I, I'm obviously not a taxpayer, mid-level exception type player. Yeah. But if you can get him on a minimum. Uh, I also don't think this Blazers team is going to field a full 15-man roster. We've seen this in the past. They, they enter the season with 14. Allows them some trade flexibility uh, as they head towards the deadline. Um, I think that is the recipe again for this season. So – Last thing before we get out of here, we didn't want to take up too much of your time because so much is changing with, with everything in the league. We're only second day into the, the summer, into the summer offseason negotiation period. I did want to mention that the summer league roster has taken form for the Blazers, and, man, there are some interesting faces. Um, guys you're going to recognize from the Blazers, obviously, are C.J. Ellaby, Nasir Little, uh, Greg Brown III, who they just selected, and Trenton Watford, who they also just selected. Now, outside of that, this has a ton of veteran players on it. You have Kenneth Fareed, who was announced that he was added today. You have Michael Beasley, obviously, who's made waves earlier this season. Antonio Blakeney, who's also mm-hmm. played a lot of minutes uh, on that Bulls team that was rebuilding. And then, obviously, Emmanuel Moutier. Definitely a lot of guys that look like this is a team that probably is going to win summer league. If I was going to put money on it. Cause I mean, having an established guard, like Emmanuel Moody and I say established for summer league. <laughs> so, right. yep. so having a guard like that makes a huge difference. Um, John Jenkins, we saw what he brought to the Blazers when they went on that title run in summer league a couple of years ago. What's it, what's your thoughts on the summer? I know this is hot summer league basketball squad talk. Dame wanted a championship roster. He's got one. It's in Vegas, and they're yep. ready to they're ready to go. Yeah, this is not I what know. I meant. Beasley could single handedly torpedo that squad through through mm-hmm. Vegas antics, but you know he's a little older, more mature now, so maybe he'll keep it in line. I will say of the rookies on this team, Mark Vital out of Baylor is to a T the type of prospect. I love to watch. He is a power forward and a shooting guard's body with a super wide frame. Um, Reminds me of myself in open gym, frankly. I mean, there's a lot of of similarities of how I used to play basketball. So 
um, at a much less talented, less productive way. Let me, let me say that. But um, I, I'm excited for this summer league team. I think they are going to play a lot. I mean, four games this year and then potentially one more if they do well. So I think this team's in position to do that. Uh, I Do you think anybody on this roster that's not currently under contract, whether it be Kenneth Fareed, uh, Manuel Moutier, Michael Beasley, do you think either three of those guys have a chance of claiming an actual roster spot on this team? Uh, I think there's, there's a non-zero chance for probably all of them. Um, if I had to put, say, the most likely one, I'd probably say Moutier, just because he would give that backcourt a little bit of a different look. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're already pretty guard-heavy, as we talked about. So, so eh, I'm, I, it's hard to see Beasley or Fareed getting back in the league. Mm-hmm. At least Moody is still 25, and you could argue that, you know, point guards take a little while, and maybe he's kind of come around. But I don't know. Really my hope for the summer league is that it's cool those veterans are on there. They're going to make a run. They're trying to make a run for it. But hopefully that doesn't come to the expense of a lot of those younger guys playing time. Yeah, I, I don't think either of the three veterans I mentioned will make the roster spot. I think it would be pretty – insane if they did especially after what Lillard said in the lead up to the season um (laughs) I will say one of the common themes that I observed at summer league going there in person I am not going this year first time in three years I'm I'm not going to be there summer league was actually held obviously nobody went last year um Nasir Little should be at the point where he it is very clear from the opening tip in the very first game that he is a level above everybody else that is what you expect from players uh, at his level if they're actually going to contribute uh, the next season in a meaningful way. If he looks like a summer league player in summer league, I think there are cause for concern as far as what his overall trajectory is with the Blazers. He should, if he is healthy, he should go in there and look a cut above everybody else on the floor and on that roster. So that is the number one thing I think I am watching for this team is Obviously, I want to see Greg Brown in a Blazers jersey for the first time, but I think it is Nasir Little. Is he ready to be a legitimate contributor for this team? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Sometimes it can be hard to find meaningful nuggets out of a summer league squad, but it's not even Nasir needs to go down there and shoot 40%. He needs to shoot 50%. Mm-hmm. It's Does he look like – is he impacting the game and, and looking a cut above? I, I think that's a really good, really good point, Steve. Yeah, I, I think typically – I think Brandon Ingram was like kind of the first player I remember seeing it with in his second year. They, they He was basically shut down. They were like, okay, you're clearly here. Yeah. We, yeah. we don't need to see anything else from you. And hopefully, you know, Nasir Little walks that similar path, I think, if things go well. So, that said, keep your eyes peeled uh, on uh, on free agency. If something crazy does happen, expect to hear from us in an emergency episode. Otherwise – Sit back, enjoy the ride. Uh, hopefully the Blazers make a trade at some point to, to balance this roster and really build a contender. So we'll see if that happens. But until then, enjoy some new faces in, in Rip City. Agreed, man. Free agency's not over. I'm, I'm really curious to see how this works out. So get it All done, right. Neil. All right, everybody, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.
one, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.